0: You're listening to the Loose Pucks Podcast with Zach Hopkins and Dave Isaac.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Loose Pucks Podcast. Along with Dave Isaac, I am Zach Hopkins, and this episode surely has a different feel to it. For the most part, since we've been doing this, the Flyers have been on the outside looking in, and all of a sudden they find themselves in a playoff spot
0: right now, which is a little bit different for us, Dave. Yeah, they've – well, it's also our fault for not doing shows as regularly (laughs) as we we should uh, Missed the last couple weeks there. But, uh, yeah, the Flyers have have been in playoff contention for a little bit here, but not safely. Uh, Recording this Tuesday night, there's still the possibility that that by Wednesday uh, they could be out of it. Uh, Tuesday night's action doesn't matter. The Flyers will be in one way or the other. But this game against the Detroit Red Wings, huge implications. All four of them could have huge implications
1: absolutely and and it's it 's pretty much exactly what you want as a hockey fan watching this, which is to have meaningful games in april and right now, the flyers are playing meaningful games. these last four definitely uh, are, are all huge each and every one of them each point that 's on the line here uh, is a big point for the flyers and uh you know what a bit of course there are the pittsburgh games, uh, you know the one that 's coming up later in the week, but not to look too far ahead, but even tomorrow night against Detroit, here's a team that you've been essentially going back and forth with in the standings, and, and here you have a matchup, you know, one-on-one, mano-a-mano. I mean, it, it, it probably, I can't imagine, wouldn't be a playoff-type game tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think when you see the way that things are panning out, uh, that would definitely be the case. But I, I've been thinking recently, I, I don't know the answer to this question. A couple weeks ago, we were in Tampa. And uh, we asked Ron Hextall if this team makes the playoffs, have they exceeded your expectations? And he said no, uh, that that wouldn't be the case. From the fans' perspective, do you think that's true? I, I, I don't know too many people that really were expecting them uh, to make the postseason.
1: I think he probably gave the you know the answer that you would expect from a, an executive sure, with the club. Sure. Um But he's,
0: he's usually pretty a uh, pretty honest guy, though. Absolutely. I don't know. I I, I, I couldn't believe that that was. Genuine though, I I think that fans, from what I see on Twitter, I think fans say if if they make the playoffs, it's icing on the cake. I wasn't expecting that. That's that's what I get. I
1: I feel that way, and I you know I've had conversations as well, and and I think that is probably the. The overwhelming sentiment with the fan base especially if you consider you know how the season sort of started I mean this is a team that's had to claw its way back uh it's a team where you know constantly or you might be looking at the future a little bit with some of the the prospects that are coming up and and hoping that the future looks bright but then all of a sudden here you have the club uh you know playing well and putting themselves in a position uh I think for this club to to have played as well as they've played the last few months to me that was a really encouraging sign if they do make the playoffs which they're they're in a pretty good position to do so sure. I, I definitely think that's icing on the cake and then, and furthermore to get in anything at that point you know to to win a round or something like that right. in my opinion would would be amazing not not saying that they can't do it but just talk about exceeding expectations that Certainly, in my in my perspective,
0: yeah, I, I would absolutely think so. And and a couple of things have to happen there uh, in order for that to go down. And uh, Steve Mason is is been playing out of his mind, first of all, but also ten straight. Uh, does he have to go the the final four here? Because Michael Neuverth is is uh, starting to to you know come back on the ice and and make a little bit of a push, but uh, I don't think he is he's ready yet. So we'll we'll, we'll see.
1: It's interesting because if you look, I mean, historically, you look at the last few years too, teams that do really well in the postseason typically have a hot goaltender. You look at the LA Kings with Jonathan Quick, you look at, uh, you know, Chicago Blackhawks with, with Corey Crawford. And, you know, it, it's it's one of these things where I can certainly see the team wanting to get behind Steve Mason 100% and, and sort of have him run the tables and run right into the playoffs hot. But then, if you look at the other end of the spectrum, what happens if we get to Game 82, and and you know Mace goes down with a groin injury or something like that? Are, are we going to constantly second guess ourselves that he was overworked down the stretch? Uh, you know, are, are we going to wonder what would have happened maybe if Stolarz got in or something? I I, I don't know the well, answer. I,
0: I I don't think anybody could blame the Flyers for not putting Anthony Stolarz into a, a playoff race unless they absolutely had to. Uh, for a guy who has no NHL experience. Right. Um, if, if that is the case. And you know what? I When it was the beginning of this stretch and you're looking at it and you go, man, can can Mason really survive this? Uh, there are plenty of reasons that s- suggested that maybe he couldn't. But I, I don't think it's unplausible to say that he does come out of this unscathed. Um, and if that's the case, then... I don't think there's any question that he's the game one goaltender if if the Flyers do make it to the playoffs and Michael Neuvert ends up being the guy that sits on the bench if he's healthy enough to do that. Uh, To me, I think it's just you you kind of appreciate the fact that he was able to get into a large workload for an extended period of time because that hadn't happened very much this year and and really not to any fault of his because there was that stretch where Neuvert played unbelievable and Mason couldn't sniff the ice uh, and and Neuvert's got... Right now, his, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but his goals against and, and save percentage this year are career-best numbers for right. him, both of them. Uh, but if you look at, at, at since January 1st, Mason's got the better numbers. Um, that was at least the case several games ago. I, I think that's still the case, but I'm not positive. Uh, so he, he's been playing just as well. So I, I think it's – you know you, you wonder, can a team get away with platooning and goal? The Flyers have almost needed to platoon in goal and if they have two healthy guys in the playoffs, then that's a different thing. But if Steve Mason's the guy that got him there, that's that's something different.
1: Absolutely. And you, you'd like to hope that maybe the Flyers can get a little bit of help and, and especially maybe not have so much weight on his shoulders in the sense of, yes, they need a certain number of points, you know, to, to clinch, so to speak. I think they need, you know, points, uh, six points in their last four games to, you know, ensure that they, they make it into the first round of the playoffs. That's just to get in on, on their own volition on their own, without, right. without any with, help. With they can no get help. in before right. that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that being said It would be nice to see, you know Boston drop a game, Detroit drop A game or something like that, and then maybe if you get To that last game of the season Game 82, that second Half of that back-to-back against the New York Islanders, if you're in then, then maybe, yeah, you could Throw Starlars in net, right. give the kids Some experience in a game where you know You don't have to run Mason out there, and he gets a little bit Of a breather before the playoffs. I mean, ideal But then again, there is a possibility We can come down to game 82, and it's Just like in, you know, 2010 with with uh, the the Flyers Rangers going to a shootout it. it could right. it could be for the whole thing
0: and and, and I I mean the the Flyers are going to do whatever the Flyers are going to do but yeah. even if even if if they were in uh if I was running things and they were they had clinched a playoff berth and they were even if they were playing for positioning I would I would let Stolars have that I just agree. to get just to get Stolars uh um, just to get Stolars in a game and give Mason a little bit of a break uh, as we're doing this here we see that the Flyers have uh signed goaltender Alex Lyon uh, from Yale University to an entry-level deal and I, I recently wrote uh, about five NCAA prospects and he was one of them so I'm at least one for five so I will take 20% even if that's all I get I'll take 20% but uh, <laughs> even, even w- without knowing too too much about him because I didn't watch a, a lot of Yale hockey this year but uh, nineteen eight and 4 with the 164 goals against average 936 save percentage it's, it's kind of interesting to think about what would happen going forward here. Um, to me, I think Anthony Stolars is is now somebody who can stand on his own two feet uh, as a professional. My guess would be that Stolars is the guy uh, in the AHL next year in Lion as his backup. Instead of going out and signing another Jason LaBarber, signing yep. another uh, Rob Zeppa guy that, to come in and kind of mentor uh, Stolars, I, I would think that, that the natural place for Lyon to go would be the American Hockey League, and he was one of the the, the top college goalies, so I would right. think that that would uh, have probably been part of the negotiation there was, I'm, I'm going to be, you know... One of the guys that that's at least in contention for a number one job in the AHL if if uh, an NHL gig was off the table.
1: I agree, and I, I think that that could only benefit both of the goaltenders. You know, for Stolars it gives him the opportunity to you know continue to be a number one guy in the American Hockey League, uh, and then you know also you know for for a new guy coming in right out of college, gives him the opportunity to to kind of watch a guy that's played professionally for a few seasons now. And uh, it really will give the Flyers a, a good look at, at what they have coming in the immediate future, uh, especially when decisions might need to be made, uh, you know, for what happens after Steve Mason and after Michael Neuver.
0: Well, he, he provides a pretty good transition for us because one of the next things on our list here was to talk about the American Hockey League and how things are kind of changing there. Uh, there's some some kids on the way. Oscar Lindblom, Travis Sanheim, Rudell Fazliev, uh, Nicholas Abikubel, all guys who well, Lindblom played overseas in, in Sweden, but the the other three uh, junior guys whose junior careers are over. Same thing for Lindblom; his European career is is uh, over at least for now, unless he you know does something somewhere down the road. But uh, they will begin their professional hockey careers in in North America. Uh, they might be a fun team to watch next year.
1: Absolutely, and and what's interesting now is, you know, Lehigh Valley they have been eliminated from playoff contention in the American Hockey League. But you almost have to wonder in terms of you know being a Flyers fan or, or a Phantoms fan, these last, I think they have five, six games left or something like that, these games might be just as important to watch, uh, you know, especially in person, to watch these guys, regardless of the fact of, of knowing that the team's not going to go any further than the end of the regular season. But now you have a handful of guys you know, that, that are the future, and I think it's probably just as exciting as of a time now to watch them you know, come up and, and see what they can do in these last six games.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just unfortunate for the fans, I guess that it's, it's kind of a, a small window right. at least for for the rest of this season, but next season should be, should be interesting. Uh, I don't, I don't think there's anybody else that's going to go to the phantoms next year of the guys that they have, uh, you know, drafted or whatever, or, or guys in junior, um, I think that's that's probably it, or, or at least close to it. I'm maybe right. forgetting one person, but uh, th- they'll be they'll be a fun team to to watch as as they were for parts of this season. But uh, I think next year is really when you're going to get a, a good crop of them, uh, the guys that are you know coming up uh, that that could potentially have decent NHL careers, especially because of Sandheim. Right. I think if if Provorov goes pro, he can't go to the AHL because of his age. Yeah. Same thing with Travis Konechny. I expect both of them will be on the NHL roster, but sure. uh, they, they don't even have the ability to go to the AHL. So the, the guys that are there um, or are coming in the process of of, of getting there, Fasli has got a little bit of immigration paperwork to get through, but they they could be uh, an interesting team uh, at least next year
1: and again as we mentioned you know a few moments ago i think this was the movement that a lot of people were waiting for to see because as we mentioned this is the future uh, this is what the fan base is looking forward to so for this club this you know the the flyers nhl level to be playing as well as they're playing Again, it's exceeding expectations, especially when you look at, at these young kids that are that are coming through, uh, especially this, this defensive core that, that's coming up. And a guy that's already here and uh, should have a huge role in this defensive youth movement. Uh, let's now talk to one of the current Flyers.
0: Joining us now on the phone, Flyers defenseman Michael Delzato. Unfortunately, he's missed the last 24 games with uh, torn tenons in his left wrist, but he's been watching a lot of hockey uh, just as we have. Michael, how are you feeling?
2: Uh, Nothing bad. Yeah, you know, slowly getting better, and <clears throat> obviously pretty frustrating and um, tough to watch. But it seems, uh, you know, the team's been doing pretty well, and it's uh, you know made it enjoyable to watch on this uh, exciting playoff run. Are,
0: are you, uh, last time I saw you, you were in a hard cast. Are you able to to do anything? Is there any any way that you're able to to progress so far in in your recovery?
2: No, I think that's the most frustrating part. Is it, it's uh, a long recovery, and it's not. You know, hoping it heals fast area. The recovery time is the recovery time. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be close to four months right around there. Um, so, you know, I had a cast with a sling on for 10 days and I went into a hard cast, which I've had on for, uh, about four and a bit weeks now, uh, come around five maybe. And I get the hard cast off on, uh, on Thursday this week and get into a removable sprint, which is nice. So I can, you know, take that off to do, start to do a little bit of rehab at Thursday. Not a ton I can do because I have four pins in my uh, in my hand right now to keep the bones uh, pushed together from the torn ligament, uh, which created a gap there. So those pins have to stay in for 10 weeks. Um, so I still have another four weeks to go. And once those pins come out, I can start rehab, which is great, but it's a, a long process, and it's it hasn't been an easy one, that's for sure.
1: Being up in the press box watching this club play, uh, kind of getting a different perspective what would you say you know from the beginning of the year to the last month or so what's what's changed the most in this team
2: i don't think there's one thing i think everything has just come together and anytime you have a new coach uh new pieces just trying to understand the systems the philosophy that um you know hack is trying to preach, and he's done an unbelievable job for us this year we have nothing but uh great things to say for him and the coaching staff. Um, but I think now, just the second half of the year, and especially this, uh, you know, this hot run we're on, uh, we've gotten unbelievable goaltending, um, great defending, uh, but I think the biggest thing there has been consistent secondary scoring. And that's one thing we, uh, uh, we lacked with at the start of the year and through, uh, for, for a while there. And, uh, we've had that consistently, consistently throughout the, uh, the last little bit And you can tell it just makes, uh, makes a huge difference, um from winning and losing games.
1: And you mentioned coach Dave Hackstall. You've certainly in your career had um played for some eclectic coaches, we'll say. I mean, you had John Tortorella in New York. Is it is it difficult as a player to adapt to, to different coaches or is it more so you just kind of play your game and, and go from there or is it is it a little bit more challenging based on the coach?
2: Yeah, um I think it depends on the player and uh you know, kind of role or situation you're in. You know, I've, I've had uh, I don't want to say six coaches. I think, in seven years I've played, so uh if i yeah I've had quite a few uh five or six I've had quite a few um I think just trying to understand what the coach wants out of his players, you know you know each coach is different as you said if I play for Torts who everyone knows he's pretty demanding and vocal and doesn't kind of doesn't hide his feelings um, and then with Hack, you know I, I think the the biggest thing with him and something uh we've talked about from day one and Something I've really tried to work on is, you know, I'm a pretty emotional player. I play, you know, let's say I play with my heart on my sleeve and uh, sometimes I can get pretty flared up. But I think with him and trying to keep a a calm demeanor, and and that's one thing he's had on the bench all season long, no matter what the score is, what the situation, he's always very even keeled. And I think having that in the coach, you know, pays dividends. And anytime something goes wrong, if, uh, you know, he's always calm back there, he's a very calming presence. And I think that's something that we've talked about from day one. is, you know, not getting too high, not getting too low, with uh, whatever the circumstances are. And uh, as I said, I can't uh, can't praise him enough. He does such a great job with their club.
0: What has he done to hit that point home? Because I've heard a lot of players talk about that. And obviously, that's not a hockey thing. That's a that's a mental thing. That's a brain thing. What What has he done to to keep that demeanor? Because that that must that can't be an easy thing to do. You, you said you're an emotional player. I, I I'm sure just, there's a ton of players just yeah. like that.
2: I, I think just uh, just leading by example. You just see him every single day. As I said practice, game, um, workout, whatever the situation is, uh, you know, however poor things are going or however, however well things are going, he keeps that same demeanor. Um, and it's not something that just changes overnight. So I think just being able to, on a day-to-day basis, just to see his demeanor like that every single day, I think it's just uh, affected our hot club and that way.
1: And then you know, there's um, you're not a an old player by any means. You're you're still a young guy, but you're a veteran nonetheless. And this is a franchise that has some pretty exciting uh, prospects come along, uh, especially on the on the blue line. Travis Sanheim, Sam Moran, uh, Ivan Provorov. Would there be any change to the approach in your game, being the fact that you're going to be the veteran now that these guys are are looking to to learn this game from at the NHL level?
2: Yeah, uh, I think. Uh... Yeah, my rules change a, a little bit, um, and even from the start of the year uh, compared to the end before I was hurt. There, um, as you said, you know I'm still I'm going to be 26 this summer, but you know I've, it's been seven seasons for me. Uh, I feel like I've just been through I've been through a lot. You know the ups and downs of uh, of the NHL. It's not an easy league. It's uh, you know it's pretty tougher. I think I've the biggest thing for me is uh, you know the way I've come around mentally and, and understanding what it takes to be a pro every single day and, and maturing and. Um, you know I got I was paired with the ghost there for a little bit before I was heard and it's different with the young players now coming up you know they're so good they're so talented and I think with him with how much of a positive impact he was having there wasn't a lot of things or there wasn't much I could really tell him um, to try and help him out you know when you're riding that wave of confidence you kind of just let a let the player play and do his thing so you know next year I'm not exactly sure what our roster is going to be Um, you know how many young guys are going to be coming up but as you said it's very exciting we have a lot of a lot of young talent and the team's definitely moving uh, in the right direction. So I'm excited for that. And, you know, getting to be put in a, a leadership role, I think that's one thing I thrive in. And, um, yes, yeah, any guys in the room, uh, you know, I'm pretty energetic around the room, uh, pretty positive. Um, you know, I like to keep the room light and keep guys positive and, uh, and feeling confident.
0: In your experience both playing and watching hockey, what makes a team dangerous come playoff time? Because your, your team's going on quite a run here. Uh, there's – still the potential to to be either in or out by by next wednesday uh but if, if this team does make the playoffs why is it why is it that a team that that gets hot at the right time can get into the head of a team that that may have run the table all season long like the washington capitals not that i'm suggesting that that's uh a matchup, up even though that's what it kind of looks like uh but, but why why is it that this team could be dangerous in in the first round if you make it that far
2: well uh, as you said you know carrying that hot wave into playoffs is um you know, obviously it's the perfect time to, to be peaking. Um, but once playoff comes, you know, you've seen it every single year. It doesn't yeah. matter uh, doesn't matter how you get it. Once you're in, it's uh, you know, it's a free-for-all. They're all great teams. There's no easy games in this league. There's no easy teams. So I think for us, uh, just the way we've been playing, even from watching in the in the crowd and up in the press mm-hmm. box and at home you know, on the road game since I don't travel, but there's just that feeling around the team now. No matter who the opponent is, what the game is, what the score is, that we're gonna come back if we're if we're down, we're gonna come back and win. We're gonna win that game. It's just that that feeling of confidence, everyone believing in each other. I said it from day one since I played here. This is the closest group of guys I've ever played with. I think just us now understanding the system and us getting together and firing on all on all cylinders, we have that that confidence about our team that um it's just something that can't be stopped.
1: And certainly, you're, you're more of an offensive minded type defenseman, but you'd be what most people would consider the total package. So, five on five, power play, penalty kill. Is that something that you've always sort of gravitated to in terms of your style of play? Or did, you know, have you molded your game um, you know, like someone that, that you grew up watching? Or how, how did it come about to, to kind of get that total package?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, it hasn't been easy. Easy, as I said, there's been the uh, the ups and downs, and you know, obviously, I I came to the league as an offensive defenseman. I think uh, I didn't I didn't know a lot about blocking shots until uh, you know I kind of had, I had Torr as a coach, and that's one thing he uh, he really harped on and um, really preached on me as far as you know commitment to defense, uh, blocking shots, doing the little things, uh, getting your body in lanes, taking hits to make plays, and you know, at the time it was pretty tough being a 19 year old and and being demanded that much, but looking back, you know, he uh he really helped me a lot and really helped me develop thicker skin and, and learning how to be a pro and I think just each year, uh, as I said before, just maturing and really understanding what it takes to win. Um it's not always about personal success and you you know, you look at my numbers this year, they're not glaring by any means offensively, but I think I've come a long way, you know, now playing against other teams' top lines and and, and getting as much enjoyment and satisfaction out of showing at the other team's top line as as you do with scoring a goal and um I think like one example that comes to mind is uh you know when we play Chicago start of the year keeping you know playing as Patrick Kane and keeping him off the board. Now you see him having uh a hundred points and with a couple of games left. So I think just uh just the maturing process has been the biggest thing and it's not always, you know, uh stuff that comes on the ice. I think just off the ice and, and having great people in place to, to help me out as far as mentally confidence wise, uh you know, the last couple summers working with a new strength coach who's done the, a phenomenal job with me. You know, I've always been a guy who works very hard off the ice, but I think mentally he's been um, a huge, huge help for me. So it, it hasn't been something that uh, just happens overnight or happens over one season. I think it's just developed and been a, a steady, uh, steady learning process for me from, you know, 19 years old, uh, my first season now, coming, you know, to the end of my seventh.
0: Michael, I'll ask you for a little bit of advice here because the, the ballots are coming out in a couple of days. The Professional Hockey Writers Association is asked to vote on some of these awards, and I know you uh, have a keen eye to what's going on around the league. And uh, a couple of the awards that we we were asked to vote for are, are fairly easy. I think the MVP is likely going to be Kane. You mentioned 100 points. The Vezina, I hope is probably going to be the guy who's knocking on the door with uh, Marty Bordeaux's record. But there's a couple uh, interesting races I guess you'd say that I'm interested to hear your thoughts on I think the fans would be also uh the Calder is certainly one because it it, it encapsulates your your teammate Shane gostis and Artemi Patterin, and whether he his playing in the KHL has something to do with you know his success this year or not, but there's a couple others in, in the the Selkie, which has <laughs> really become the Patrice Bergeron Award over the last several years, and, and the Norris Trophy. What are your thoughts when you look at uh, some of those races? I don't know if you, if you're watching the, the the TV networks that are kind of talking about that the, the last few days here, but I'm I'd be interested in what you think about that.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's tough. Um, the thing is, there's never there's no wrong answer now because there's just so many good players and so many different. Uh, so many candidates for each award that, you know, you can't go wrong with the Calder. I mean, obviously you're biased here with Ghost, and uh, just what he's done offensively as a defenseman, it's so impressive. Just obviously the toughest position in the game, um, and the things he's done and and helped rejuvenate our team and give us that offensive flair dynamic that, um, you know, we were missing. Uh, But then you look at McDavid, and I don't know, he's... uh, he's a pretty special player. It's unfortunate that, you know, the injury happened and he missed uh, so much of the year, but he's, uh, you just watch him every night and he's a, he's a human highlight reel and he has a puck. He's so dynamic. Um, obviously already at his age, one of the best players in the league. So it's tough. It's tough to really, uh, the pinpoint one guy, as far as the selfies said you know, Patrice Bergeron can't go wrong with him. I'm a huge, huge fan of, uh, Kopitar out of LA though. He's, uh, you know, if I'm building a team, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's near the top of my list. So I, I think I'd go with him for that award.
0: And the the, the Norris, the past couple of years, has kind of come down to uh, a lot of the so-called advanced stats. I'm interested to to hear your thoughts on that because of your position, because a lot of these advanced stats aren't particularly kind to defensemen. Uh, how much do you pay attention to something like that uh, with within the course of a year? I'm sure you're not, you know, trying to alter your game if you see your Corsi number is down or something like that. But d- when when that started becoming popular, did it make you think about the game any differently? Or and what are your kind of thoughts on on those statistics as they stand and they seem to be becoming more popular?
2: Yeah, it's becoming popular. And to be honest, I, I'm not a I'm not a fan at all of it. I, I don't follow it at all, not one bit. Um, you know, I. Sounds cliche, but I judge my game on wins or losses for the team. You know, whatever, any way I can, uh, to help the team win, whether it's blocking a shot, uh, a goal, whatever the, the situation is, that's, you know, that's my job and that's what I'm being paid to do is to help the team win. Um, you know, as far as my game goes, I, I pretty much go off, you know, I watch a lot of tape, a lot of video. Um, I get a good gra- uh, grasp of it from there. The coaching staff, you know, whatever, try keeping them happy and, you're a pretty good judge of it with your ice time, you know. If you're uh, you're keeping them happy, you're you're going to be on the ice. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of the advanced stats. To go back about your Norris conversation, that's uh, I, again, there's so many great defensemen. Obviously, Carlson is impressive with how many points he puts up. But it's funny because Bundy actually brought it up on the air uh, uh, last game, and he talked about Letang and his uh, his compete level, and you look at Doughty, his compete level. I think. You know, they don't put up as many points as Carlson, and, and Carlson's a special player. I think the most talented defenseman. You, you see the plays he makes. It's, uh, you know, it's fun to watch and not easy to do. But I think for me, I, I, I go with Drew Doughty just because he puts up points. He does everything. Like we talked about before, he plays every situation. He's playing the power play, p- penalty kill, four on four, five on five, uh, three on three overtime, obviously. Um, but he does everything. He plays huge, huge minutes you watch him out there and he competes for every loose puck he puts his body in the lane to block shots he throws some big checks he does everything so that that to me is i'm not looking at just the points i'm looking at all around defensemen and, and look at where, where they are in the standings he's locking that long that many minutes and you know they're at the top of the standings every single year he's won a couple cups um he's uh he's my pick
1: so with with four games left in the regular season. Uh, you know the the club pretty much controls their own destiny. I mean, you guys are are basically in a, a win and in position in the sense of you're sitting in, in a playoff spot right now as we speak. That being said, how difficult is it? To, to not necessarily just stare at the standings all day long and, and run through those scenarios in your mind For so long it was Flyers and the Red Wings And what's going to happen there Then all of a sudden Boston's start, sort of free-falling a little bit And Detroit sleeping them Is that something that as a player being in the thick of this race That, uh, that you're paying you know, a, a lot of attention to Or are you more or less just focusing on, on winning the game and, and trying not to focus on other teams as much?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you can only control what you can control, and that's, you know, your own play and your own team's play. So you'd be lying to say if, it was, you know, you weren't, weren't watching the standings you obviously want to see what's going on and where you're standing, but that's out of your control, you can't control that. As you said, you looked a couple weeks ago, you know, there's teams that are falling down that um, you maybe wouldn't have expected, teams that are climbing that you maybe wouldn't have expected, right? You never know what can happen. just back to before saying there's no easy games in this league. There's no for sure wins you never know what's going to happen there's just too many good teams now teams can get hot at the right time you you, you know you ride a hot goaltender you ride a hot uh as I said before great secondary scoring from our team we're we're getting hot at the right time so it's you know it's tough to say not to look at the standings but you do every single day and it's just the nature of it um but you can you can, can only control what you can control and that's our game so we take care of business we'll be fine
0: before we let you go, Michael, I got to ask you about uh, your your side job here. You're you're the host of your own show, and I, I think a lot of times you see stuff on teams' websites, and that ends up being kind of corny. But this this is this is very entertaining. Uh, you know, you're, you're always answering questions, but you look pretty comfortable holding the microphone too, and, and and kind of doing the the host thing and asking the questions. How did that come about, and how comfortable are you doing it?
2: Um, it came up actually. Uh, I guess some fans were asking about it after I did that one-on-one. Uh, post corner interview and we had some fun with that. And I think some fans were asking about, uh, me jumping in and doing a little bit more. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a very shy guy. So I, I was, I wasn't opposed to it at all. And we were actually supposed to have, uh, another episode today with gags, but, uh, it didn't seem to work out, but this one actually, uh, not to pump it up, but I think it's going to be the best one yet. So it should be a good one. I'm, I'm looking forward to when we have the time to do it. And I know everyone's going to love it, but it, it's, uh, you know, it's fun Anytime, uh get a chance to, to kind of, you know, take your helmet off and show your personality a little bit, uh, you know, enjoy. I love laughing, having a good time, as you can see from the shows and uh, the episodes, and, you know, it's great. So hopefully I can continue to do it and have some fun and let the fans get to see, uh, you know, the other side of us.
1: Well, that being said, are you the only guy on the club right now that has movie credits being in Goon 2?
2: I think I might be the only one Laffy well, uh, was in uh I forget what movie what that was but this is was in movie a couple yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh just ask him he'll tell you. So <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think I'm the only
0: one. Yeah, I remember uh we were in Minnesota actually and and I was telling Evgeny Medvedev that he was uh Mr. Hollywood and and showed him the clip and he couldn't stop laughing. So uh, that was <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting <laughs> clip uh, with him and Scott Hartnell James Van Riemsdijk, like a couple guys. Yeah, I remember that good. one. That's
2: uh, Yeah, we still talk about it. So I think we might be the only two, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Michael Delzato, thanks for being on the show. Uh, hopefully your recovery goes well, and uh, maybe even the, the Flyers can, can go deep enough that maybe they do see you again this season. I'm sure that's what you were hoping for, but thanks for coming on and joining us. And there you have it, Michael Delzato and... Boy, was he heating up right before his
1: injury. It'll be nice to see him get back when, whenever he's able to do so. With that, let's go to our yes or no segment. We have four yes or no questions. Dave and I will throw them back and forth, have a little discussion. First question, Dave, I'll throw over to you. Evgeny Medvedev, will he play Wednesday night and stay in the lineup? You know
0: what? I think so. I think he's, he's spent so much time watching from above. Um, He's still trying to grasp the English language, so I don't—I haven't gotten the chance to talk to him too much about exactly what's going on. But I, I would assume that he's been watching a lot of video and, and trying to get in there, get better. Because I mean, his first season in North America—this is not, I'm sure, how he he planned it in his mind. Uh, I think he will come back and and not make the some of the mistakes, some of the turnovers, some of the defensive lapses uh, that he was making earlier that that kind of kept him uh, out of the lineup. Yeah, I, I think he does uh, find a way to stay in. We'll see if that that says game 82 or game one of the playoffs. Uh, second one to you, each one of the final four games will mean something. Not necessarily clinching a playoff spot, but uh, also potential positioning.
1: Yeah, I think each of the final four definitely will mean something. The next few especially in terms of clinching a playoff spot. But the last two, uh, as you mentioned, I, I think, you know, the, the – First wild card spot is is within reach. I think it's something where, you know, if you win out and and maybe New York, who's there now, tends to go in the other direction. It, it's something that you can catch. But if for nothing else, the each of the last four, uh, they're momentum builders, and it's something that you definitely want to have A good momentum rolling into the postseason. Uh, and I I definitely think that that's you know a feasible possibility here for the club. So I, I I think that you know all four games do mean something, and I think that they feel the same way. Uh, number three, Scott Lawton. Does he figure in uh, back into the lineup before game 82 here?
0: Dave Haxall only makes changes for injuries or after losses. So I, I, I would have to figure if he gets in, he'll get in Wednesday. Uh, reports from practice didn't seem like that was going to be the case. Um, they probably lose one more before game 82 somewhere. Um, I'll, I'll say yes. I think scott lawton gets gets one more game in. Uh, the coach was actually praising his play uh, the other day, saying you know it, it, it had nothing to do with uh him playing poorly coming out of the lineup. It was more the fact that everybody was was rolling, uh, yeah. and so you know it, it, it kind of made it difficult for him
1: maybe uh i don't know maybe maybe Matt Reed
0: takes it takes a seat i mean that that to me would be the logical guy um a guy who you used to count on heavily yeah. uh, for, for penalty kill. He's on the third line now. That line hasn't produced offensively a ton lately. Uh, Velde and Belmar are the two guys that you now rely on the way that you used to rely on Matt Reed and Sean Couturier to kill penalties. That would that would be the guy that, that I would sit and, and you know what? Matt Reed tends to play better once he comes back into the lineup after yep. a situation like that, at least uh, – there's not a huge sample size The one other time that that happened so far this year
1: And Lawton had a little bit of success With Nick Cousins as well too So yeah. maybe if that's the case yeah. they can they can find that again
0: Yeah they played together in the AHL as well uh, The last one goes to you Shane Goss despair will he win the Calder Trophy well, I'll tell
1: you this much. I think it went from maybe a, a three horse race down to two. I know we had talked before about Artemi Panarin and, and Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin maybe has cooled off a little bit, whereas Panarin. I agree. Uh, Panarin's still been doing uh, some pretty impressive stuff in Chicago. So um, my gut tells me
0: that it, that it might come down to Panarin and Gostas Bear. Um, you know what? D- uh, Delzano made a good point, though, with with uh, Conor McDavid. Conor McDavid. Yeah. I, I think you'll see the Canadian voters. Oh, really sure. push for him i'm sure and and i i am of the thought that he missed too much time for him to really be a, a serious candidate here right. but if you're going purely off the definition of most proficient first-year player which is i believe the, the exact verbiage uh, of the calder trophy uh, nomination whatever you want to call it uh yeah, I mean, clearly, if he played 82 games, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. Absolutely. I mean, he he would have ran away with it. Uh, but I, I, to me, that's that's a serious thing. I think he didn't play enough to, to be considered. I agree. And I, I think,
1: you know, we had mentioned this before with, with Panarin playing in Chicago, and Patrick Kane, a guy who just eclipsed triple digits, 100 points. Right. Uh, I think he even had his—he's he's up to his first 40-goal season. Um I think we had made the joke before we could play with him. We'd probably get a few of them in there. Uh, I'm just I'm not necessarily convinced that um, that some of the voters will, will see it that way. And I, I well, for, they, from
0: the, the people that I've talked to that have watched a lot of Blackhawks games have told me that Kane has just as much to do with Panarin as Panarin has to do with to Kane. Him, yeah. Now, I find that a little bit hard to believe. Yeah, but uh, the, the the commentary that I've heard from a few players on the Flyers roster is, well, who's Kane played with in the past? This guy's got some skill. This is one of the first times where he's got a lot of skill uh, on the wing with him there. So I, I don't know. I,
1: I, I mean, you know, I'd love to say that that I think Gossisberg will win it. I, My personal opinion is that he should win it based on what he's meant to this club, what he's continued yes. to do yes. his entire time that he's been up this season. He hasn't really, like, slowed off for a long period of time. Maybe he's gone a couple games without a point. But regardless of that, he still finds a way on the score sheet, but it's what he does when he's on the ice that matters most. It's you know, you look at the play in that that Columbus game where they ended up losing, but that, you know, diving to to keep the puck, you know, get the puck out of the zone. You look at that that play in overtime against Winnipeg to knock the puck down. Out of middle of the air, so to speak, to get it to Giroux for a game winner, which was a heavy pressure situation in a playoff race. I just, I think he means a lot to this team. I think he's proven again that he kind of fits that definition you were just speaking of of a Calder winner. I think he's deserving of it, whether or not the voters, you know, see that the same way. I'm not. I'm not as optimistic.
0: It's all about interpretation. If, if your interpretation is who is the best player it'll be Connor McDavid. If it's who is having the best rookie season, it'll be Panarin. And if it's which rookie player means the most to his team, that I think Shane Goss' despair wins by quite a bit.
1: I agree. I agree 100%. With that, we'll go down to the farm with uh, another player who could be in the same position next season, perhaps. Defenseman Ivers Ivers Brovrov. Absolutely. Uh, Ivan Provorov plays for the Brandon Wheat Kings. He's in the Western Hockey League. Uh, right now, Game 6 uh, will be against the Edmonton Oil Kings. Brandon has a 3-2 to two lead uh, currently in that. He had uh, no points in his first five games. Uh, he did finish tops among defensemen in the WHL with 73 points in 62 games played. And I think between his play in, in junior this season and then in the in the world juniors, I think he's really showing everybody that he probably is NHL ready.
0: Yeah, I think you, you've seen a lot of people say that even throughout the midst of the season. I know scouts have said that, that he's NHL ready. There were people saying that he was NHL ready at the draft, right. uh, that he was the most NHL ready. And he goes back to juniors and Noah Hannafin goes right into the lineup for the Carolina Hurricanes. Right. So uh, it'll it'll be an interesting experiment to see where each of those two guys are five, six years from now. Uh, if, if they're both still in the NHL, what kind of impact they're having on their, their respective teams. Uh, that Game 6 uh, between Brandon and Edmonton is going on right now as we record this, so it will probably even be history, maybe even by the time you're, you're listening <laughs> to this. Uh, same thing goes for uh, the Sarnia Sting and Travis Konechny, who is reportedly not playing in Game 7. Uh, at least th- that was the reports an hour or so before the game, obviously you'll know that now. Still hurt with the apparent shoulder injury. He was sent back to Philadelphia. Uh, to be seen by Flyers' doctors. Uh, he was optimistic when I talked to him about going back there. He knew the game four was out of the question, but game five, he hoped to be there, didn't play in game five, didn't play in game six. Uh, he had a goal and two assists in in two playoff games, the first two games of that series against uh, the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. So it'll be interesting to see if, if the Sting advance here, uh, if Konechny will be able to go. If not, I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, he ended up getting shut down and and not being one of those guys that uh, that heads to the AHL, I mean, I guess he would he would pretty much have to uh, stick, yeah. you know, next year in, in order for him to do that anyway. But I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he had kind of staved off uh, a surgery there, thinking he could play through it, and and maybe it's some one of those deals where they they take care of it at the end of the year. Again, I don't know that for sure, but that wouldn't surprise me.
1: Sure, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, from my perspective and, and maybe the, the folks up in Sarnia won't agree, I wouldn't mind watching him get shut down with the the mindset that he might be an orange and black next season. So give the kids some rest, let them recover here and, and get them ready to go for next season. With that, we'll go to our South Jersey report Ford Kyle Chris Criscuolo from Southampton played for Harvard, finished with 19 goals, 13 assists for 32 points in 34 games played. Reportedly signed an AHL deal with the Grand Rapids uh, after Harvard was knocked out by Boston College. So he's a, a guy that we've spoken about quite a bit. I think he's also
0: one of the guys that you that you did a write up on, yeah. and uh, and here
1: it is. Maybe he'll be in the Detroit system.
0: Well, at least he'll be turning pro. You you know always like to see uh, local guys kind of joining those ranks, and, and another person to to keep an eye on next season. Uh, Anthony D'Angelo finishes out our report here. He's from Sewell, plays for the Syracuse Crunch, the American Hockey League. Syracuse, there's six points out of a playoff spot. Uh, he was going pretty good earlier. He, he had four points in two games, but he's followed that up with a six-game pointless streak. So uh, if the Crunch do indeed make the playoffs, maybe he'll uh, you know, kind of be- become a force for them on the blue line once again and, and you know, possibly be a big part of why they end up uh, in, in the postseason there. Like we said earlier, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms not – uh, they have not been in the postseason since they were the Philadelphia Phantoms. That's, that's hard to fathom. That's, that's two <laughs> other cities that they've been in. without. I mean, granted, this is, you know, the early stages here. Of their second year, I guess, in Allentown.
1: That's that's amazing. We talk about these young kids coming up and playing and how exciting it is. And you think back to when the Phantoms last won the Calder Cup, we had Mike Richards and Jeff Carter. Not only did we get to watch them, you know, play a little bit, they played the entire Calder Cup playoffs and did pretty well. So that was, yeah, that was think, nice d- to see. Didn't
0: you have a, didn't you have Patrick Sharp on that team Patrick also? Patrick Sharp, I think. Mackey. I mean, there, yeah, are, Nitty, right? there are quite a few names. RJ Umberger. Are, <laughs> RJ Umberger. Wow, yeah. That was a while ago. <laughs> Exciting times. Well, let's take it now to the big finish, and hopefully we, we get a show in next week so we can, if if the Flyers do indeed clinch, uh, do some real playoff preview stuff. But I'm sure that'll be one of the big topics here in the big finish, sweeping declaration for the entire six days that remain in the regular season or whatever it is. <laughs> you know,
1: I'll give one thing. And, and maybe it's it's um, looking a little bit past the, the next week and, and and into the very beginning of the postseason. But uh, before the Flyers played the Penguins the other day, I think it was the Pittsburgh Twitter feed had put some kind of post on there about, you know, here's the the team in Pennsylvania that's actually clinched a playoff spot. And, man, they really know how to get under – under your skin don't they they, that really, <laughs> they irritate me but that being said my my sweeping declaration is this it's a it's a two-parter um the first part is rematch on saturday wells fargo center against pittsburgh penguins i'm going to say the flyers win this game i, I just refuse to believe that they will go winless against pittsburgh this I, season i believe I, that would be the first time I, in in 50 years just, that the penguins sweep the Flyers. i, I just I think. think i can't i can't and my mind allow that to happen, so I have to say the Flyers are going to beat the Penguins, and and with that too, um, Pittsburgh is a is a sick team right now. I mean, I don't know anybody who would want to play them. They're they're clicking on all cylinders.
0: They're the most but, dangerous team right now in the Eastern Conference, maybe even the league.
1: I I, I think so. And, and that being said, you you know Evgeny Malkin goes out, and everybody's like, hmm, okay, and now maybe Mark Andre Fleury, he's concussed. What's going on there? We don't know, but. You look at the you know the secondary guys, and, and not to call Phil Kessel a secondary guy, because I'll be 100% honest. I thought this year coming in, if he was going to play an entire season with someone like Sidney Crosby, I said, all right, Kessel's going to hit 50 goals. No doubt about it. This is his year.
0: I, I thought anything less than 40 would be a disappointment. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so you look at that line now, he's you know, we've got Nick Bonino and, and Carl Hagelin, and you have to wonder, are they going to keep it up? And part two of my sweeping declaration is maybe they will, maybe they won't, but they might run, run into a really hot Henrik Lundqvist. And if that's the case, I'm going to say Pittsburgh's going down in round 1 against the New York Rangers. I think that will be the matchup. I'm not sure there's going to be too much more maneuvering as far as playoff seedings go. But as much as I hate to admit it in terms of, you know, rooting, I don't want to say rooting, but going for the New York Rangers, I think they're I feel like they're a team that's going to get hot and I feel like the Penguins are just are due for a letdown. And personally, I'll love that. <laughs>
0: I think that's that's a little bold. I don't know <laughs> that anybody uh, ends up getting by Pittsburgh in the first round. Well, that would that would surprise me. And plus, they they've got some injuries now too. Ryan McDonough at least out for the rest of the the regular season. He's been a bobblehead for the this Rangers. Year. A bobblehead. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. Uh, my my big finish. Um, I don't know that this is going too far out on a limb. I, but uh, talked about the awards a little bit earlier. Dave Haxtell wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being a finalist for the Jack Adams trophy is the best coach in the NHL. I think there's a lot of people league wide that have seen what he's done with this roster and, and think highly enough to have him up there at least in the top three. I don't know that he's going to win it. Right. Um, I think even with the, the awesome roster that they have in, in Washington, I would give it to Barry trots, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a finalist. Put it that way.
1: I was, um, I was surprised when Barry trots did not win it last year, to be honest with you. So yeah. I, I would agree with that. But again, and you know, we, Michael Delzado himself had said it like these players all feel the same way about Dave Haxton. And and there's nobody out there that can, that would be able to tell us and, and not be a fib that going into the season, we didn't have reservations about Dave Haxel, a guy making a jump absolutely. from the college level, a guy that's used to to managing, so to speak, kids playing on scholarships to grown men playing with million dollar contracts, who
0: are able to go to the bar and, and absolutely, have a beer at night. absolutely, legal age to do that,
1: and, and just to watch the progression of this team from the very beginning of the season to where they are now, his his composure uh the decision making and and you know what i feel he's done for especially the younger players on this team um i i definitely think there can be you know something for him being in the top three i, I think he could be there
0: actually when i think back i guess there are a bunch of college guys that come out at age 23 24 so maybe they are yeah, able to true. drink beer in the ncaa <laughs> but uh either way i think the the point stands uh a lot of people are taking notice of what what dave haxtell did uh this year in the regular season. The next time we talk to you, it won't be the regular season. It'll be the playoffs. We'll see if the Flyers will be there or not. But uh, episode 14 will come at you next week. For Zach Hopkins, I'm Dave Isaac. Thanks for listening. Uh, Not sure how you found us. We are on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes and the Courier Post website. So be sure to check us out uh, both now and in the future. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.